Hi, this is Alana Terry, and you are listening to Season 6 of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. The audiobook for this season was voted on by our Patreon community at patreon.com slash Terry, where for as little as $3 a month, you can get free ebooks and audiobooks, and all the money that we raise is being donated to Liberty in North Korea and their Underground Railroad for Refugees. This season of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is being sponsored by my newest thriller, Save Me Once, which is the story of a mother trying to bring home her lost little girl. And today, our Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook that we're listening to is Frost Heaves, an Alaskan refuge Christian suspense novel by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Dowdy. I hope you enjoy it. Chapter 8 Once she started, it was easy for Jade to come up with name after name of members of Morning Glory International who might want to hurt her family. There was Elder Keith, formerly one of her dad's best friends, and the one who'd been the most vocal about trying to cover up the abuse. He even offered to pay the family $5,000 if Jade told everyone that the child she carried belonged to some boyfriend from school. After the allegations were exposed to the public, various individuals delighted in telling Jade and her family how sinful they were to bring such outlandish charges against their pastor. Even though a DNA test could easily reveal the child's parentage, most members of the church preferred to think that Jade and her family made the entire thing up. Halfway into her pregnancy, the pastor's wife, Lady Sapphire, forced Jade into a bathroom stall and yanked up her blouse because the baby bump looked like nothing more than a little extra weight on an already heavyset teenager. It wasn't until Lady Sapphire felt Pastor Mitch's child kicking in Jade's womb that she even recognized the pregnancy was anything more than a lie and a ruse meant to tear down Morning Glory International and its ministry across the Matsu Valley. Ben's suspect list had grown to ten different names by the time Aisha sat down beside them. We've got a few more volunteers on their way to relieve the ones who've been out the longest. Jade couldn't believe she was hearing this, couldn't believe there was actually a search team at this moment scouring the woods surrounding the church to look for her five-year-old daughter. As hard as it was to picture Des wandering off into the cold without a coat or flashlight, the idea of an abduction was even more unfathomable. If Des had been taken, whoever had her was twisted, demented. Who would want to harm a child? The thought made Jade even more terrified. Would the night ever end? I need more coffee, she told Aisha, who looked about as tired as Jade felt. But she wasn't going to sleep until her daughter was found. She finally understood what was going through her dad's mind when he found out what Pastor Mitch had done to her, why he'd grabbed that baseball bat and waited to ambush his prey. It made sense now, that rage, that protective instinct. No parent could sit back and watch someone destroy their child's life, not without taking matters into their own hands. Jade thought back to the vows people made back in the time of the Old Testament— May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. Right now, there didn't seem to exist human language that could describe what Jade would do to anyone who even threatened Dez's safety. 
May God have mercy on their soul, she thought. But even God's mercy was too good for anyone who hurt her daughter. Chapter 9 When midnight came, the temperature had dropped to 32 below, and there were now both helicopters and rescue dogs involved in the search. Nobody said so, but Jade knew everyone was thinking the same thing. A five-year-old in this cold could never survive until morning. A soft blanket of snow fell, diffusing the searchlights, so it looked like Jade was looking at the world through an eerie haze. Where was Dez? Aisha was still outside, but most of the original volunteers had gone home, replaced by others ready to search through the night if necessary. Jade watched the snow falling with a forlorn resignation, knowing that in another hour or less, any tracks that might have led the rescue teams to her daughter would vanish forever. Then again, maybe the snow was actually a blessing. Maybe it would provide Des with a blanket to keep her warm through the night. No, she wouldn't think like that. Des wasn't out in this cruel winter climate, and she hadn't been kidnapped or harmed by anyone from Morning Glory either. She was still inside the church, warm and safe, and sleeping peacefully. Jade would be so relieved to find her daughter perfectly unharmed that she wouldn't even dole out all the punishments she'd been daydreaming about earlier. Was it really possible that this was the same night she'd stood in front of her church and shared her testimony? Just a few hours ago, being abused, pregnant, and shunned by everybody but her parents was the most traumatic experience Jade could imagine, the most challenging trial she'd ever have to endure. Until now. Des was born out of despair, hurt, and humiliation, but Jade had loved her from the beginning. Throughout the pregnancy, even with those chaotic hormones and that relentless confusion, Jade had been protective of her baby. Her love for her child was no small miracle, considering Jade had never been overly fond of children. She wasn't like other girls who dreamed of nothing but marriage and motherhood. Jade had goals, too, but hers involved feats like winning the Nobel Peace Prize, working relentlessly to help the nation achieve racial equality, and earning her law degree before her 25th birthday. At first, she convinced herself that her teenage pregnancy did nothing but put those plans on hold. The older Des got, the more Jade had come to accept that her prior ambitions would have to go unrealized. As a single mother working for minimum wage at a daycare, Jade was lucky if she managed to pay her heating bill every winter. How was she supposed to put aside money for education, let alone find the time to take any classes? Some days, Jade was depressed at the way life had derailed all her prior dreams, but now she hated herself for ever wanting anything more than to have her daughter by her side, safe and sound. She longed for a kind word from her mother, a friendly hug from her father, but they were both gone. Her father met his end shortly after attacking Pastor Mitch with that baseball bat, and Mom's high blood pressure and failing heart couldn't hold up to the stress the family endured in the aftermath of the assault. It wasn't fair. Because of Pastor Mitch, Jade had lost both of her parents. Here you are, 
I thought maybe you'd gone back inside the church to warm up. Jade turned to see Mrs. Spencer, Des's Sunday school teacher, and said, I thought you went home hours ago. I did, but just long enough to drop the twins off with their mom and grab warmer clothes. She looked down at her snow boots. I'm so sorry about what happened. I was sure she was upstairs with you. Jade didn't want to be angry with Mrs. Spencer. She wanted to accept her apology. But how different would this evening have looked if the old woman had just followed Des upstairs instead of sending a five-year-old up to the sanctuary by herself? In a town as small and safe as Glen Allen, with a church where everybody knew everybody else, Des should have been fine. But the night was so dark and the temperatures were still dropping. Jade ignored Mrs. Spencer's apology prayed that God would forgive her for her bitterness and continued tramping through the snow in search of her daughter. Chapter 10 Ben's at the church looking for you. He said he found a warmer coat and some snow boots you can borrow. Jade could barely process Aisha's words. What time is it? she asked. Almost two. I know you don't want to stop, but you need to come in and at least warm up. Jade surprised herself by not protesting when her friend put her arm around her and started leading her in the direction of the church. Her legs ached and everything below her knees was numb from cold and wet from the deep heaves of snow. Aisha didn't try to talk while they walked, and Jade was grateful. She was too tired and emotionally drained to carry on any sort of conversation. It was good of Aisha to still be here. Most of the other volunteers had returned to their heated homes, leaving the search to the rescue dogs and professionals. If Des had wandered outside, she would have been found by now, or at least someone would have stumbled over her tracks, which only left one conclusion— the air inside the church was so hot compared to outside that Jade could hardly breathe. She had to find some way to escape from the feeling of intense heaviness that threatened to crush her under its impossible weight. She turned to head back out. Ben hurried toward her. Wait a minute, you need to warm up. Jade braced herself against the sternness in his voice. I need to find my daughter. The urge was primal, unshakable, she couldn't reason it away or depend on common sense at the moment. She had to get Des back, and she wasn't going to rest until her daughter was safe. We've checked on a few of the leads, Ben told her, holding up his list of suspects. Don't worry, we'll find her. Jade knew he was in no position to make any promises, but she clung to his words nonetheless. He pointed toward the stairs. One of the ladies from church brought you heavier clothes, and they've got basins of hot water in the kitchen for warming up your feet. Why don't you head down there now, and I'll be with you in a few minutes. I have some more questions for you about your old church. Jade tried to read between the lines. If Ben was focusing all his attention on morning glory, did that mean he was convinced this was a case of kidnapping or intentional foul play? It was a possibility Jade wasn't willing to accept. Not yet. Des was a tiny little wisp, feisty as anything, but small enough she could roll herself into the size of a beach ball. Couple that with her stubbornness and her ability to fall asleep anywhere, 
and she might be perfectly safe in a cupboard or a drawer in this nice heated church, somewhere nobody thought to look yet. Where are you going? Ben called as Jade headed to the Sunday school rooms. I want to check everything one more time, she answered, thankful he didn't protest. Des was here. Jade knew it. Because if her daughter was outside in the cold, or if she'd been abducted and was in danger, Jade would know. Her heart would cleave in two, making it impossible to think, to speak, to function. The fact that Jade was still standing on her own two legs was all the proof she needed that her daughter was alive and safe. All she had to do now was find her. Chapter 11 I thought you were going to change into dry clothes, Ben said when he found Jade rummaging through the Christmas pageant costumes in the storage closet downstairs. I will, soon. In a pile of shepherd's garb, Jade spotted a splash of color that might have been one of her daughter's barrettes. Tossing costumes haphazardly aside, she reached down to find it was only a fake jewel from a wise man's crown. Ben's voice was both firm and gentle. You need to change your clothes and get warmed up. Then we can look around the church more. She is really good at hide-and-seek. Jade spoke the words as if she were trying to convince Ben of what they both knew was a lie. She couldn't stop herself. At the daycare, she's always going around hiding in cabinets and drawers. Once she even crawled into the toy chest and fell asleep beneath all the dress-up clothes. She's here. I know that she's got to be here. Ben touched her gently on the shoulder. I've already searched this whole closet myself. Twice. Something about Ben's touch shook her to her core, or maybe it was the way her feet had finally started to thaw and were now screaming with pain. Her whole body began to tremble. She's got to be here, she repeated, her voice weak and almost as shaky as her core. Ben rubbed her gently on the shoulder, and she turned to him as tears streamed hot down her face. Do you promise that you're going to do everything you can to get my daughter back to me? The inherent confession in her question, the admission that she knew her daughter was in danger, brought on another round of trembling and a sob that nearly worked its way out of her clenched throat. Ben reached out and touched her chin, tilting her face up until she was staring straight at him. Wiping a tear away gently with his calloused thumb, he nodded. I promise. Now let's go get you warmed up. Thanks again for listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. You've been listening to Frost Heaves by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Dowdy. Today's episode is sponsored by my newest Christian thriller, Save Me Once, about a mother's courageous attempts to do everything in her power to rescue her daughter from a life on the streets. Again, that is Save Me Once by Alana Terry. And I hope you join us again soon for our next installment of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast.